Thank you for tuning in to today's sermon, The Purpose of Possessing the Holy Spirit. I'm Brother Fami Asabin, a preacher for the Church of Christ. This sermon works through the purpose of the Holy Spirit in the life of Christians and how it is to lead them to truth. We utilize John chapter 14, 15, and 16 to show how those concepts taught by Jesus were reflected in people in scripture and how they fulfilled their godly purpose. As we consider what it is that God is calling us, leading us to, I want us to think about a passage that the world uses wrong a lot of times. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And a lot of times people say that in regards to everything. I saw somebody in MMA. I think he has it tattooed on his back. God's not strengthening us to bludgeon each other to death. God has given us a spirit for a specific task. And that task is a godly one. So if we're going to want God to strengthen us to do all things, we have to qualify that statement. That's all things pertaining to what Jesus Christ came and gave his life to, which is godliness, which is us retaining, obtaining salvation. And so as we consider that, let me just go out and say this as well. This sermon today, as many other sermons, fully only applies to Christians, those who have been baptized into Christ Jesus. While you might get encouraged from a word from the pulpit, your hope cannot be fulfilled if you have not put on Christ in baptism. So if there's anybody in here today who has not been baptized, I ask you to consider your life and these words as we go forward in this sermon. And why not? You woke up today to come here to hear a word of God. So something in you is acknowledging that there is some validity in what happens in this place to where we call ourselves Christians. So we're going to continue our thought with the Holy Spirit. Understanding that God gives all Christians the Holy Spirit when they are baptized question becomes, what is the purpose of giving us the Holy Spirit since we have access to it? What I want to say, in contradiction to much of the religious world, possession of the Holy Spirit is not a one-time thing. It is not some activity to where I catch the spirit and I run around in service or I have some utterances or I do something in the moment that manifests that something has overcome me to where I display some type of, dare I say, emotion, physical response to show that God is in me. No, that's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was given to us at our baptism and having the Holy Spirit is not an activity, but it is a way of life. The Holy Spirit influences our mindsets. As we talked about in class, we're to focus on the spirit which leads to eternal life. So having the Holy Spirit helps us in those thoughts that get us away from being so occupied with our flesh. Because if it's up to us, we're going to think about this flesh. 
And I've been in the seat that you guys are sitting. And some of you are saying, how long is this man going to be? Because <laughs> you think about the flesh. You want to get home. You want to get to eat. You want to go do something that is a little bit more appealing to the flesh. But there's another part of you that says, I really want to hear what he has to say because I entrust the brothers at this church to put somebody up here to give us a message that's going to help me, encourage me, teach me so that I can be found doing the father's will. So it's the spirit that I want to speak to. And being that I want to speak to the spirit. I apologize to your flesh if I go a minute or two over. (laughs) I don't intend to. But I do intend to thoroughly give my sermon so that you can understand why it is that I say what I say. So as we think about having the spirit and what the purpose that Jesus said the spirit was for, it's no better place to look than in John 14, 15, 16, 17 as well. But 14, 15, and 16 will suffice because in those passages, Jesus specifically says what the Spirit was left for. And this is in his farewell discourse where he's headed to the cross to leave this earth because he has fulfilled his purposes, which is teaching godliness and bringing salvation to a sin-ridden world. And now he's about to go to the cross and die to be that sacrifice for sin. And this is what he tells his disciples, those who have been following him for, they say it's about three years in the Bible. Those who have left everything to follow him because they understood truth, but didn't quite fully understand everything he said. This is what he tells them concerning the spirit. We're going to read a few passages in John 14, John 15 and 16. And then we'll reference other passages in scripture. But we'll start at John 14. And what we will start is at verse number 15 through 17. And it reads, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another counselor. Some says comforter to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you know him because he remains with you and I will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. Jump down to 25. I have spoken these things to you while I remain with you. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, the Father will send him in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. Let's go to chapter 15, verse 25 and 26. But this has happened so that the statement written in their law might be fulfilled. They hated me for no reason. And when the counselor comes, the one I will send to you from the father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father, he will testify about me. You also will testify because you have been with me from the beginning. And our last passage that we're going to read in this section is from chapter 16. Starting at verse 7 and going on. Nevertheless, I am telling you the truth. 
It is for your benefit that I go away, because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness and judgment about sin because they do not believe in me. About righteousness because I'm going to the father and you will no longer see me. About judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you what is coming. He will glorify me because he will take from me what is mine and declare it to you. Everything the father has is mine. That is why I told you that he takes from what is mine and will declare it to you. It's important to recognize that in the context of Jesus' teachings, he says that it requires love and obedience. You see, if we don't love Jesus and if we're not obedient to his word, we will not receive the promises that he has given us. Love and obedience is a prerequisite for us to have the spirit. See, if we don't love Christ, we're not obedient to his word. We should not expect to have access to the Holy Spirit. So you can be baptized and not love the Lord. Because you got baptized out of an emotional response. Or some of us have witnessed people who have been married. And they don't demonstrate love to each other because they have lost that love. And dare I say love is not an emotion. Love is a decision. Love is a mindset. Love is action. And if you're not putting work towards that love, then it's going to die. So if you don't love Jesus, you don't have the spirit. If you're not obedient to his words, you don't have the spirit. And that's important because what is the spirit going to do? The spirit is going to remind us, teach us, lead us, guide us in the very words that Jesus Christ told. So we need to love. We need to be obedient to Christ, to keep, to possess the spirit. And having the spirit is not a once, once for all time thing. Scripture testifies to the fact that you can have God's spirit and it leave you. And we must be mindful of that fact because if we're not careful, we can find ourselves in a position to where we think we're somewhere we're not. How many of us are familiar with the story of Samson? Samson. It's found in Judges. A couple passages I'll just read to put it on our mind because even myself as a preacher, when somebody references scripture sometimes, so so much in my mind that sometimes it gets kind of mumbled up. So that we can have what God said about it. Samson. As we'll see, Judges 13, 7. 
Samson was told to his mother from an angel that you will conceive and give birth to a son. And because God's going to do something with you, that's me. Do not drink wine or any other alcoholic beverages and do not eat anything unclean because the boy will be a Nazareth to God from birth until the day of his death. God had a special purpose for Samson. God came and sent the angel to tell his mother at a time when God's people were very far away from what God wanted that you're going to have a child. And this child is going to be selected by God for a specific person. Jump down to chapter 14. Samson went down to Timnah and saw a young Philistine woman there. He went back and told his father and his mother, I have seen a young Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as a wife. But his father and mother said to him, Can't you find a young woman among your relatives or among any of our people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines for a wife? But Samson told his father, Get her for me because I want her. Now his father and mother did not know this was from the Lord who was seeking an occasion against the Philistines. At that time, the Philistines were ruling over Israel. Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother and came to the vineyard of Timnah. Suddenly a young lion came roaring at him. The spirit of the Lord took control of him and he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. But he did not tell his father or mother what he had done. God gave Samson his spirit for a purpose that his mother and father didn't even recognize. Samson was supposed to go and destroy God's people's enemies. Can't you find a woman amongst your relatives? No, because God had made Samson attracted to Philistines so that he could find an occasion to fight the Philistines. When God has given us his spirit, it's for God's purposes. Everybody's not going to recognize that. But if you're living and letting God guide you with his spirit, you're going to live and do the things that God wants you to do. But we cannot get so high minded that we think that just because we have God's spirit, we can neglect to do the things that God said. What did Jesus say? If you love me and are obedient. Listen. As we conclude our look at Samson. Judges 16, 6 through 21. This is Delilah with Samson. Because she nagged him day after day and pled with him until she wore him out, he told her the whole truth and said to her, My hair has never been cut because I am a Nazarite to God from birth. If I am shaved, my strength will leave me and I'll become weak and be like any other man. When Delilah realized that she had told her the whole truth, she sent this message to the Philistines leaders. Come one more time for he has told me the whole truth. The Philistine leaders came to her and brought her the money with them. Then she let him fall asleep on her lap and called a man to shave off the seven braids on his head. In this way, she rendered him helpless and his strength left him. Then she cried, Samson, the Philistines are here. When he awoke from his sleep, he said, I will escape as I did before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord, some say the spirit of God had left him. The Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes. They brought him down to Gaza and bound him with brown shackles, and he was forced to grind grain in the prison. But 
His hair began to grow back after it had been shaved. Now the Philistine leaders gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to their god, Dagon. They rejoiced and said, our God has handed us over our enemy Samson to us. And when the people saw him, they praised their gods and said, our God has handed over to us our enemy who destroyed our land and who multiplied our dead. When they were drunk, they said, bring Samson here to entertain us. So they brought Samson from prison and he entered them. Then they had him stand between the pillars. Samson said to the young man who was leading him by the hand, lead me where I can feel the pillars supporting the temple so I can lean against them. The temple was full of men and women. All the leaders of the Philistines were there. About 3,000 men and women were on the roof watching Samson entertain them. He called out to the Lord, Lord God, please remember me, strengthen me. God, just once more, with one act of vengeance, let me pay back the Philistine for my two eyes. Samson took hold of the two middle pillars supporting the temple and leaned against them, one on his right hand and the other on his left. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. He pushed with all his might and the temple fell on the leaders and all the people in it. And the dead he killed at his death were more than those he killed in his life. Samson. God had a purpose for him. God gave him his spirit to fulfill that purpose. Samson disobeyed God, got his hair cut. God's spirit left him. But God still heard his prayer. Samson had to suffer for his decision, for his disobedience. But God didn't leave Samson totally. When Samson needed God, God heard his prayer. What are you saying, Brother Osman, Brother O? What I'm saying is, not all mistakes are fatal. Yes. We recognize in our lives that we're not perfect. Yeah. Amen. We have sometimes been disobedient and God's spirit left us, not because God wasn't able to work in a situation, but because we did not do what was necessary for God to remain with us. He died. He sent his son to die for sin. And he said, I'm not going to stay in the body that's going to continually participate in sin. But we repented. And I'm talking about after our baptism. I'm not talking about before. I'm talking about after our baptism. We repented and God came back to us. Samson recognized he was wrong. God let his hair grow back and he said, hear me one more time. I don't know where anybody is at today. I don't want you to think that just because I made one mistake that God is not going to be working with me or God did not have the power to work with me. It's repentance. That's what is necessary because God has given us his spirit because he loves us. He wants us to love him and be obedient to his word. And just in case we do sin, he has grace. He has mercy. So if we have a repentant heart, He will hear us. But we must not. We must not get so high minded. And make what is holy to God. Common to us. Because there's another case in scripture. The New Testament. Ananias and Sapphira. Which we find in Acts. To where they didn't understand. That their actions. Were actually against the spirit of God. The Holy Spirit. And if you turn to Acts. Chapter 5, starting at verse 1, and this is in response 
to God's people in a worship context. Barnabas had sold a possession of land and he lays it at the apostles' feet. And just imagine if somebody came in here and said, Zachariah said, you know what, y'all? I done sold all of my possessions. Not bragging, but I'm going to give it to the church so the church can do what it needs to do with it. We would be we would be thankful for that. But somebody with a wrong spirit would say, I want some of that same glory. I want some of the same honor. So what I'm going to do is something that's similar to it. Ananias and Sapphira, I believe, had that spirit. And this is what happens. They see Barnabas. But a man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a piece of property. However, he kept back part of the proceeds with his wife's knowledge and brought a portion of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to me? No, to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the proceeds from the field. Wasn't it yours while you possessed it? And after you sold it, wasn't it at your disposal? Why is it that you planned this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. When he heard these words, Ananias dropped dead and great fear came on all who heard. The young man got up, wrapped his body, carried him out and buried him. There was an interval of about three hours and his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Tell me, Peter asked, did you sell the field for this price? Yes, she said, for that price. Then Peter said to her, why did you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out instantly. She dropped dead at his feet. When the young man came in, they found her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. We have an obligation to respect the spirit that God has put in us. Because there are some times when God will give us grace because he understands that we're human. But there's other times where God will say that you have disrespected my spirit and you are no longer worthy of receiving my grace. They drop dead because they lied about an offering which some people will say they didn't hurt nobody. All they did was said that they gave all when they didn't. They dropped dead because they lied to the Holy Spirit. And if we don't recognize that what we do in worship is more severe than what we acknowledge. Peter, now Paul says, for this reason, some of you are weak and sickly. Because at that communion. They didn't recognize that this was the body of Christ, the blood of our Savior, sacrificed for us. And they were disrespecting each other in the way that they were taking communion. So some were drunk and some were full, while those who did not, who came later, didn't have nothing. They couldn't commune with one another. And Paul says, for this cause. You disrespected the body of Christ. You negated the Holy Spirit amongst you. And it is causing some of you to be dead and sick. So examine yourselves. Ananias and Sapphira, they died instantly because they thought that they could just get a little bit of glory for saying that we gave all that we had. When Paul, Peter says, 
It was yours. You could have just said this is half. <laughs> you didn't even have to say we gave all. You could have just gave some. And you would still be alive. So we must consider ourselves. What we do in our lives and what we do in worship. Are we respecting the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit? Because if not, it could be gone from us and we don't know. Samson woke up. I'm going to shake it off and I'm going to fight these Philistines like I did before. And they capture him, gouge out his eyes, and he has to suffer because he was disobedient. Ananias and Sapphira. They lie and they said, this is all that we have. And they die instantly and they buried that same day. And what do we see in that is these relationships that are rooted in the world. That's why we can't appease this flesh that lead us to doing what God calls us not to do. Even though God said that he's going to be attracted to Philistine woman, he didn't mean for Samson to be disobedient. He was supposed to keep that hair long, but he cut it off. He had to suffer for that decision. But it was a relationship that was not of God that led him down that path. We've been married, some of us. Man and woman can tell you what it's like when your spouse nags. (laughs) Sometimes you get in just because you want to hear them stop. (laughs) Associations at times can cause you to wear down and to not stand as firm as you was when that first challenge came. We messed with kids. We raised kids. Daddy, daddy, can I, can I, can I, can I, can I? Yes, just leave me alone. People in the world do the same thing. Come out to happy hour with me. No, 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 no. Ten years later, all right, I'll come this one time. Next thing you know, you're leading yourself down a path of sin. You're negating the Holy Spirit in you. Worship. When we don't respect that God is in our midst. We do things that will cause God to leave us. And I've talked to some preachers. And they have said that they've witnessed a person who did something so wrong in worship die within a year. Will spiritually and physically be punished for how we respect the Spirit of God. So that's why it's important that we're mindful that we love and are obedient to the teachings of Jesus Christ because He said that those who love Him and are obedient will receive the Spirit. How many of us want the Holy Spirit working in our life? Yes. Yeah, we do. But what is the Holy Spirit getting us to if we're going to love and be obedient to Christ? What is the purpose of having this Holy Spirit? And Jesus says, truth. Holy Spirit is going to lead us in truth. So as we are recognizing God's word and we're understanding what God is calling us to, the Holy Spirit is recognizing truth for us. So we know what's air. And what's right. So we can read our Bibles and we can tell if somebody who's giving us some religious mumble jumbo is off track. Because there's a lot of people who will profess 
to speak for God who are lying. Some of them don't even know that they're lying. And what they're doing is they're speaking opinion because they are not allowing the spirit to lead them in truth. But what God says, what Jesus says is that I am going away and I'm going to leave my spirit in you so that you'll know truth. But then a reason why we have a lot of religious confusion is because the world doesn't have the spirit so they can't recognize truth. They cannot recognize what's right or what's wrong. One person in this room really could tell you about me. It's my wife. Zachariah could get up here and he could say a whole lot about me. And you guys would accept it because it came from a source that you trusted, right? But my wife, she could say that that's right or that's wrong. A lot of people are like that in the world. They have a source that they trust, but they haven't consulted God's word to know if it's right or if it's wrong. And so what they do is they take the word of that source. Come down to the mourner's bench. Fetch religion. God's spirit is trying to help us do all these things in the world. So through God, I can conquer all things and I'm going to go out here and I'm going to have this fight. And I thank God for making me the best basketball player, the number one artist for making this movie produce. And and all these things that are aimed for worldly causes, which the world, which sounds good. It sounds good. God has empowered me to do that. God made me this way so I should be able to express myself freely, but that's contrary to Scripture. And when those who know truth understand truth, they won't be carried away by that foolishness. And that's what the Spirit of God is in us for, so that we can decipher between what's true and not true, so we don't put our efforts towards lies. So we can live God's will, God's purpose for us. But the reception of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't give us an understanding of everything like that. Jesus, who he was talking to at this passage, his disciples, those who have been with him. What does he tell them? It's going to reveal truth later, but in that point where you can hear it, it's going to remind you of what I told you. So we can have assurance that just because I don't know a thing doesn't mean that I'm lost. He said that Brother Red gets up here. Well, I, and I've seen it. He gets a naming off those kings. He gets a naming off those genealogies. And at points, you could be in the audience and you could say, man, I should know that. Sometimes you're sitting in the audience and a, a, a minister or a teacher of the Bible class or somebody in the pew, they say a verse, book, chapter, verse. And they quote it word for word, and you're like, I should know that. And you don't. It's okay. Learn it. Learn it. Don't stay foolish. Learn it. But understand that just because you don't have the understanding at now, right now, doesn't mean that you can't get it later. Because the Spirit is going to help you understand that. You would think that those who walk with Christ would understand. Peter. I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. What you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. What you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Peter, in Acts 1, 
Peter, the apostles, the 120. This gospel needs to go from Judea to Jerusalem to Samaria to the ends of the earth, right? Mm-hmm. What's that mean? Gentiles going to have to be added to the church, right? right. Peter, hungry, sitting on a rooftop. The spirit three times. A sheet of food. Arise and eat. No, God, I haven't, I haven't eaten anything unclean. Wait a second, Peter. You're supposed to have the keys and help people come to Christ. You're supposed to be the one that knows that this gospel has to go out to all the world. And yet you're getting a revelation from God and you're telling God that I haven't done nothing unclean. Now, I might not be as smart, wise, bold as Peter. But if I know that God's revealing something to me, it's not, it shouldn't. Wait, let me back up. Because sometimes it does. It shouldn't take me three times to catch it, right? Peter, three times. Then he catches it. You would think that he understood, right? What happens? Paul, in the book of Galatians, says, man, one time Peter was eating with Gentiles. The same Peter that God revealed that to rise and eat and that there's nothing unclean. He's eating with Gentiles. Some Jews come from James. And then he causes this confusion because he separates from them. He's supposed to know. But it's okay. Because Peter later starts writing in 1st and 2nd Peter to a group of Gentiles. And so what Peter was supposed to know at one point, the Spirit helps him to understand at another point. And just because he didn't have it back here, didn't understand it here, was confused about it here, didn't mean that God couldn't use him. Our understanding of God, of understanding of Scripture, Christianity, it's a process. It grows. And the Spirit leads us in that. That's what we have the Spirit for, to lead us in truth. A process. So if you don't know it now, don't beat yourself up and say, God can't use me. If you don't know it now, don't say, I can't teach a Bible class because I don't know everything in Scripture. Can I tell you the truth? Cover your ears. Not all preachers know everything in Scripture. (laughs) Some of them, some of them, are just trying to present good because we're expected to know. All right. I say that to encourage you. Encourage myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We can speak for God in situations in people's lives. Mm-hmm. And just because I don't know the whole truth, you might not know the plan of salvation, but you can still tell somebody that you know you need to give your life to Christ. Amen. You can still tell somebody, come on to Bible class with me. Mm-hmm. Let's read it. Because really it's not our words, it's God's words. So if you don't know it now, don't be discouraged. Because God's spirit in you is going to lead you to an understanding. It's going to grow your understanding. It's going to help you as you progress. And as you learn scripture more, understanding will be deepened. And that's what God left his spirit for. And what that spirit's going to do is testify of Jesus Christ.
You're not going to have the spirit of God and focus on yourself. You're going to testify of Christ Jesus because that's the author of salvation. And so if you're teaching somebody, what you really should be pointing them to is Bible. It's okay to use examples from your life because you need to relate to people. But if that example doesn't lead to understanding the scripture, you might want to consider using something else. Read some scripture and you might find an example or two there that will help. It leads to Jesus. That's what the spirit is really leading us to. An understanding, a confession of Christ. It informs us of who this man was that came and died for those who will willingly be obedient to his call. And then what happens after that is, as the Spirit testifies of Christ, those who are filled with the Spirit testify as well. That's why we cannot be discouraged if we don't have the understanding we want. It should challenge us to study and get it. Amen. So next time Brother Red come, you come tell him, hey, you Mr. King. <laughs> you said that name wrong. Or you could be in Bible class and you could say, did you consider this passage? Or even if you don't see it the same way, let's talk about this so we can both come to the same understanding. Because the Spirit is going to lead to truth. And those who are filled with the Spirit understand that we don't always understand as we should at all times. But if we're being led by God's Spirit, we will find godly resolutions in a peaceful manner. So let's not negate the Spirit working in us. And let's not, let's not hinder our spiritual growth. By being disobedient and not loving Christ. Because we see these relationships that we have either build us up spiritually or they tear us down, knock us down. And if we're not building up, we're tearing down the body. Look at Samson. Delilah nagged him to death. We're aware people in the world will nag us to death. Try to get us to to do ungodly things. If you have a phone, all you got to do is cut it on. Yahoo. That's where there's the thing that pop up. Yahoo. All these news feeds. Even in your mail. Us men know they're going to send you all these type of invites to do something that's ungodly. And you didn't even seek it. And if it's not that, you're going to get some type of advertisement to spend your money on something worldly. (laughs) You're not even asking for it. I promise you, go look for a a birthday gift for somebody you love. Next thing you know, you have advertisements full of you. Why? Because they got your attention. They know what you're looking for. That's just like the world. When you show a slight sign of your attention on something, you'll start noticing it more. Buy a car. Everybody else got it. You start seeing it everywhere. You ain't saw it. You ain't saw the day in your life. That's how sin is too. You start living ungodly. You start disallowing the spirit to work in you. Those things you're struggling with become more prevalent, become easier. That's why we must recognize why Jesus left His spirit, because a lot of us, I, 
I don't know. I still struggle with it. I think I would have loved to see Jesus Christ in the flesh. Amen. The man who walked on water. Yes, Lord. Yes. The man who multiplied food just yes. with prayer. Yes. The man who cast out demons, healed the sick, mm-hmm. rebuked wrong teaching, yeah. and nobody found fault with him. I would have loved to see Christ in the flesh. But what does Jesus say? Better that I leave and the Spirit come. It's better that Christ is gone in heaven and the Spirit comes. So I'm in a better position. And I don't get to see Jesus until I die. But that's our hope. And the Spirit is going to help us recognize that hope. So we must do everything that we can to feed that Spirit in us so that we can grow and so that it can move us, and so that it can lead us to be who God wants us to be. Because if not, what we're going to find ourselves doing is things that are going against the spirit and we don't even know it. You'll be like Ananias and Sapphira. You'll think that you're coming to worship when you're really coming to your funeral. You'll You'll think that you're honoring God when you're really disrespecting and lying to the spirit. Yes, Lord. And you will be found out. But if you repent, you repent. God's spirit will help you overcome those desires of the flesh. God's spirit will help you overcome the ways of the world. Because you recognize that God's not calling us deeper into this life. He's calling us into that life. And he has left his spirit in us to bring us to him. His son, Jesus Christ, died to prove that everything that he said was right. It's never been a man who said, I'm going to die and raise again three days later and do it. Jesus died and testified to that. And those who followed him were empowered to spread this message. That's why we have the Gospels. That's why we have the Bible, because God's spirit was given to man who put down The path to righteousness in scripture so that all who believe in God would have a way to be with him eternally. Just saying, Jesus didn't write one bit of scripture. The apostles, they're before the Sanhedrin. These guys are unlearned, yet they wrote the most profound things in the world. Because God used them. He gave them their spirit. And that same spirit that he gave them, that rose Christ from the dead, was given to us when we were baptized. Let's live in it. And as I said before, the best way that we can utilize the spirit in our lives is to work in some type of ministry. What is it? that you can do to build the body of Christ? What gift has God given you that testifies to the spirit? Because when you start doing that, you are growing closer and closer to God and further and further away from this world and your affinity for things that cause you to sin will get weaker and weaker. So what is it that you're doing that has you participating in ministry? That's a question we all have to answer. 
Where is God leading you? What is God calling you to? That doesn't mean that everybody's going to recognize it. Samson, his parents didn't even understand it. But God used him. Where is God using you? Matter of fact, where does God have you? I'm pretty sure that's where he wants to use you. The job that you have. Shine. Reflect Christ. Through your actions, through your words. And I'm pretty sure that God will utilize or grow a seed somewhere. A bit of advice I got is somebody who's told me that to help him make decisions on what to do godly, he looks for two things. Does he have a desire to do it? And is God opening a way for him? Meaning... If I want to say I want to move, do I have a desire to move first? And then is God making that move easy? Not always easy, but is God making that move known to me? Is the opportunity to the place I want to move there? Or am I just trying to get up out of the situation? Because if I'm just trying to get up out of a situation, then it might not be the best thing to do. Or I might have an opportunity there, but I really don't have no desire to do it. So it might not be best to just get up and go. Because what helps is having both. Look at uh, Acts 16 with uh, Paul on his missionary journey. The Spirit calls him to Macedonia. Paul had a desire to preach and teach the gospel. In some places it said the Spirit wouldn't allow them to go. He had the desire to go. But then he gets the Macedonian call, so the desire is matched with the spirit calling, so he goes. Another caveat, it's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be easy. On that second missionary trip, Paul faced troubles. Ran up out of cities because he preached the gospel. But that doesn't mean that God wasn't with him. Just because we have problems in this life doesn't mean that God's spirit is not with us. But being led by God guarantees that God's with us. We'll know if we love Jesus. We'll know if we're obedient to his will. And when we're baptized, we're given this Holy Spirit, and when we continue to have it, we'll start living in ways that show the world, that prove to us that God is with us. And my encouragement to all those who are here who have been baptized, find some way to feed the Spirit in you. Because that's where our hope is found. We can make a lot of money. We can do a lot of good things with people. But if it's not rooted in doing what God wants, we might have fun in this world. But I hope it was worth it. Because it won't guarantee you access to God's eternal presence. God left us the spirit for a specific reason so that we can reflect Jesus in this world. Let's do that. If you haven't been baptized, like I said, these words, they might have been good, they might have been encouraging to you, but you cannot take full access of them because you do not have God's spirit with you. You can still pray and God might hear your prayer, but you won't be saved. It's through baptism where you're washed away of your sins and you're given the gift of the Holy Spirit to help you, to empower you to live a life worthy of the gospel.
I'm not sure where that sermon leaves you. My prayer is that you will contemplate it and incorporate it into your Christian life. If you're not a Christian, I ask, what's stopping you? God sent his son, Jesus, to freely extend the gift of salvation to all who will follow him. To get that salvation, one must follow the example set out in scripture. The book of Acts, which details the church's beginnings and expansions, shows us biblical examples of those who were saved. A good place to look is in Acts 2, where you get Paul preaching the first gospel sermon and the response of those who heard and believed his message. They repented and were baptized, which added them to the church Christ established. The Bible only teaches of one church. If you want to be added to it, Go to your local church of Christ and tell them your desire to be washed of your sins and to live a godly life. Study your Bible, put its teachings to practice, and you will make heaven your home.